Hey, everybody. I'm Paul Hevesy. I lead organizational effectiveness for Stanley Black & Decker, great company. I connected with Pablo through a mutual friend of ours, Kyle Gordon, and you should connect with him too because he's awesome and he has a sweet microphone. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way and in that I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am Pablo Gonzalez, your host and Chief Executive Connector. Today, I'm going to introduce you to somebody that came into my life via an intro of somebody that I really, really admire. We hopped on a call. I'm very impressed by, by this guy. I'm super pumped to, to tell his story and to get him to you know come out and start being on podcasts. And, and he's already a, a big deal corporate leader. He's a husband. He's a father for an executive leader with extensive sales, operations, and human resources leadership experience spanning 20 years in the corporate world. He's a certified executive coach and is in the process, and we're going to get into this, of writing his first fiction book. He's passionate about adding value and leaving the world around him better. Good looking fellow, athlete, one heck of a model American, Paul Hevesy. <laughs> Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast, bro. I love that intro. I'll take that. I'm going to capture that and keep it with me forever. Pablo, thank you. Glad to be here, man. Dude, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to do this, man. I'm uh, like, this has been a long time coming. Paul, kind of like I told you a little while ago, right? My my whole thing here is I want our friend that's listening in his or her ear to understand that you're a human first and and connect with you and my my thesis on human connection is adding value or sharing some vulnerability. We're going to, you know, get into all the value you have to offer around like leadership and, and all the subjects that we talked about before. I don't want to spoil it all, but I, I, I wonder, man, what, what's something that you're struggling with these days or something that, that you've struggled with in the past? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, there's a, there's a lot because part of, part of growth is struggling, you know, so if you don't figure out how to embrace the struggle a little bit, it's really difficult to grow. So one thing that I'm always challenged with is, and is how quickly to embrace change. And, you know, we talk about that all the time. People talk about embrace change. It, it's good for you. It's just much easier said than done. And in my career, we may talk a little bit about it, has one of the, one of the blessings of my career is so much change 
has happens all the time. And, you know, there are, there are times where I don't embrace change as quickly as I should. You know, you get into something, you build something, you build a team, you build a strategy and then things change. And I'm like, well, I don't want to change because I've put all this work into this and, you know, and then I got to start over and, you know, all those things go in your mind. And I would say over the course of my life, I've probably got incrementally better or, or quicker at embracing change. But if I'm, you know, if I'm being honest, because I have to be honest with Pablo, that's something I still, that's something I still struggle with. And like, because I think of all the things, all the negative impacts of what this change ha- will, will take upon me versus kind of looking at what, what it could mean. And when I look at all the changes that have gone through in my career and all the different things that I've been asked to do, when I look back, I'm like, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad those change happened. I'm glad I was asked to do a role that I had no idea what I was doing because it forced me to really focus and forced me really to dive in and be a better leader and be a better uh, contributor. So, you know, but in that moment, kick in the dirt, man, like, woe is me. So that's easy to do. And like I said, incrementally better, but still something I struggle with. What's the last thing that you would classify as like a big change that you just went through? Well, let's see. I would say, well, this current role that I'm in with Stanley Black and Decker is an awesome role. Mm-hmm. It happened about a year ago. And the role is, you know, I'm a, a bit similar to what you're doing, Pablo, but just internally, I'm a connector. I'm working with a team at, at the corporate level at Stanley Black and Decker that's doing some wicked cool stuff around artificial intelligence and automation and process improvement. And my job is to come alongside some of those projects and amplify them within the company so that other people and other functions and other businesses can see what, what's going on and raise their hand and say, hey, I could use that kind of stuff with my team and my business. And it's an individual contributor role. So, you know, when you talk about one of my passions, which we'll talk about is leadership and leading others. And so trying, you know, leading in an organization without having direct reports is a great way to, to grow your leadership <laughs> because nobody has to listen to you. So that's, that was one of those big changes that hit me and said, you know, if you would ask me two years ago, hey, this is what we want you to do. You're going to have to buy a microphone, which I didn't have to. I did it on my own. But, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to put video content together and, and do podcasts and it's just going to be you. And you're going to have to, you know, dig into that and, and do a bunch of things that you really never done before. You're kind of crazy, but I love it. And it's, you know what it's done. It's given me a tremendous opportunity to meet all kinds of people. Stanley Black and Decker is a big company, 55,000 plus employees. Fortune 200, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, and I've been around for a long time, but I realized I didn't know a lot of people and I know a lot more people and there's a lot of great connections and, and it's, it's a great role to have, but that would be one just recently over the last year or so, where I was like, Hmm, I don't know about that, but man, I'm glad I embraced it. Cause it's cool. Plus I got this microphone. You know, there is, yeah. there is a shining, the, 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 what is it? The, the shining cloud. Ah, oh, man, I'm thinking in Spanish, bro. The, <laughs> anyways. So a couple of things. Number one, I've never heard it's much cheesier said than done. And I'm making you a quote card that says embracing change is much cheesier said than done. I think that that's going <laughs> to, that's going to play nicely. I awesome. Love it. Uh, two, as you're, 
as you're describing this evolution of embracing yeah. change, I think of like going to the gym and and the idea that it might, you know, you're working out this like change embrace muscle. And no matter how jacked you get, the moment that you still got to go max out on something, it's still yeah. super difficult and it still hurts and recovery is still is 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 still gonna get you. But you kind of develop habits and tools that help you kind of through it, right? So when this when this last role came up, did you find yourself, did you catch yourself saying, why am I, why am I going down this path? And I should be thinking of all the positive stuff. Like what was different this time that you change roles than the first couple of times that you change roles? Yeah. Well, I think, pro- well, part of it's experience, you know, part of it is in previous times, I did think about all the all of the things that would change that would be negative for me. And I've learned, you know, you just mature over time. Even if you don't want to, you do just because you go through you go through experiences and you just you learn things even subconsciously. And that that's that was one of them. Like I've I've learned to quickly understand, hey, this is the situation that I've been given. This is the opportunity I've been given. If I were to, you know, if I were to write out my career, and I hear this from a lot of executives too, you know, you, you write, if you were to, 20 years ago, if I would have written out my career and then actually compared it to now to how, where I've been and, and how I've gotten here, it'd be nothing close. You know, so after those first few times where you're asked to make some changes or take some roles that don't fit what, you know, even your subconscious tells you is the, is the appropriate next step and those kinds of things. You, it, it, it was hard for me to really embrace it because it's like, hey, this isn't the path, right? This isn't the right, this isn't the right next step. But it was obviously it was because that's what presented, that was what was presented at that time. And I just, I've learned over time to say, yeah, I, I, let's let's do that. And it because if someone's coming to me. And saying, and this is what's happened the last few times. Hey, we've seen you do this, and or somewhat, you know, one of the leaders mentioned we were talking about expanding this, or we're talking about creating this new role, or and your name came up. Whenever I started to hear that early on, I didn't make the connection. But as I've gained some experience, it's like, hey, <laughs> that's important because other people are talking about you in a positive way, right? You. You are being discussed. Your name is coming up for a reason. Embrace that. And even if it's, you know, even if it's something that you don't really understand or you don't have a whole lot of clarity on it, who cares? Your name came up. People are talking about you and you should lean into it. And so that's that's what I really that's where I turned this corner. The last couple roles where I just said, you know what, it doesn't show anywhere up on the career plan. but people are talking about me. They they're connecting me to this. That must mean something. I'm going for it. Are you, is your mind going right now? Is your mind going there the moment that they bring you the option or is your mind going there a week later? You're like, all right, I got to stop being a, you know, (laughs) yeah, it goes pretty quick now. It goes pretty quick now. In fact, depending on when this particular episode airs, chances are I may even have an expanded role from what I'm doing the moment I'm talking to you. Cause I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody, same situation internally within the company saying, Hey, your name come up with this. Can we talk about it? And, you know, I heard about it. 
And I probably had a half a day on it. You know, usually it'd be like, you know, before it was long time, a month, you know, and then it was a couple weeks. And then this was like a half a day where I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But then by the next day, I was ready. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what it is. So it's, I'm getting better. That's what I was looking for. It's like that, yeah. that like time shrink. If it's like, yes. a time, you know, like if it became, all right, cool, man. That's awesome. All right. So, so then let's talk about it, man. What are all the, give me as quickly as you can kind of like your zigzag looping path to get to the, the, the role that you're in right now. Yeah, sure. Doing? Yeah. Well, my current role now within Stanley Black and Decker is uh, organizational effectiveness, which I'm coming to find could mean anything obviously, but that's something I'm really passionate about because, you know, we, we spend a lot, like any company, we spend a lot of time in meetings. We spend a lot of time in email, communicating back and forth. And I think there's some just really practical things we can do that shave time, 15, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes there. And all, all of a sudden that adds up to real time and people have more time in their schedule to balance their life a little bit better. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And as I, you know, as I go into that kind of second half of my career, how do we, how do we just make this company that I'm with uh, a great place to work, you know? So, but that's now you go back 20 years. I started in field sales with a small company that actually Stanley, what's now Stanley Black & Decker bought just about a year and a half after I started with that company. And I was selling door hardware and my, and it's my first sales job. I wanted to get into sales. Before that, I spent a couple of years out of college doing some nonprofit work. And I really wanted to get into sales, but I didn't know how. And of course, you know, getting into sales for the first time is always tough because they're always, you know, companies are always looking for people with sales experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then- I need a quota breaker, right? Like I need a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So I'm like, well, how do, if everybody's looking for sales experience, how do I get the sales experience? And so anyway, I had a a great mentor of mine, Jeff Cahill. He's just a great guy. He gave me a shot. I mean, he just gave me a shot and just said, I know you don't have experience, but I think you can do it. My first sales job was covering Northern Colorado and the state of Wyoming selling door hardware. And, you know, you just figure that out. And I was had a young, young wife and a a baby on the way is my first sales job. And we moved halfway across the country to take it. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to fail at this. Can't fail at this. And so I just poured my heart into it. I remember bringing door hardware home and tearing it apart at the table of the little house that we had, just so I could understand everything about it. So when the customers asked about it, I could, I, you know, I knew about it. I had my hands on it, you know? So, but I always knew I wanted to, you know, I've always been passionate about leadership and leading people and, And so I, I, but I needed to get experience. And so I spent, you know, the first three or four years just in the field, took a couple of different sales roles, one in a rural area, obviously, like I was out West. And then in Indianapolis, I took a metropolitan area. So I tried to prove to the company, Hey, wherever you put me, I can figure out, you know, I can figure out how to be successful. And soon after that, got an opportunity, went back on my master's degree, there's one more thing that I said, hey, one less reason you can pass me over for the uh, leadership job, you know? And anyway, from there, sales management roles, general management roles, operations roles, leading sales teams, leading regional operations teams, all kinds of awesome, awesome opportunities with Stanley Black & Decker. They just, you know, growing companies going to have a lot of changes. 
And so there were several roles that that I was asked to do, mainly because I was the one that was still that was still here, you know. And they're like, "Hey, Avisy, you want to do that? Sure, let's let's figure it out. Let's go." And I'll always always be grateful to so many great people within Stanley that just opened it up and let me let me do some roles that I probably at the time had no business doing, but I was willing to dive in. And one thing led to another, a couple of different business units, opportunities within Stanley Black and Decker. And that's brought me to this corporate role today. And, you know, a lot of great, a lot of great people, a lot of great experiences along the way. But I would say one thing I, I spent, sometimes it's easy when you, especially in sales, but really whether it's finance or HR, any function, IT, it's very easy to kind of get siloed into a particular discipline. And so I, I worked really hard and, and spoke up a lot. Like, hey, I know everybody views me as a as sales, you know, but I, I want to be able to do more. I want to I want to dive into the PL. I want to run, you know, some operations. I want to, you know, that's what actually led to a stint in HR around talent acquisition and, and leadership development. Cause I was like, hey, that'd be cool to get into you know, some leadership, some HR stuff and kind of understand that a little bit as well. So that's what I've always kind of been passionate about. And that's why it's one of the reasons going back to your question, why it's getting easier for me to embrace some of that change. Cause I've, I've, cha- I've moved a little bit away from every role's got to be up, 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 up. And I've moved more toward, Hey, the next role should give me broader and broader experiences. You know, now if it, with those broader experiences, if that provides an opportunity at some point to go up, perfect. But if I can continue to expand my experiences and and grow in in multiple disciplines, that's only going to make me a better employee and more valuable. But also, you know, likely going to give me some opportunities that maybe I I never even anticipated as well. This is part of the meat that I want to dive into. Is this idea that understanding that diversifying your knowledge and diversifying your influence is often more powerful than specializing and and just trying to like climb one step after another. I have to say, man, I talked to Kyle Gordon this week and it it reminds me of the fact like you guys are both two guys that started in outdoor sales and are now working in super interesting corporate roles. And And it really, it has made me rethink I mean, not that I've ever thought about it before, but it has made me look at Stanley Black and Decker as an organization and as a culture and as a company in a light that I reserve for very few companies, right? Yeah. Like the the when you can groom and nurture and promote people from within that start and get them to these places is the sign of a great corporate culture from from the outside looking in, right? So I I, I got to give that up, man. I think that's really, really impressive. So great. And I appreciate you recognizing that. And I'm the first one to mention that, you know, people 20 years in one company, you know, people, even today, people look, you know, I get that question from time to time, man, 20 years, that's a long time. And reality is it's just what you said. There's been so many great leaders along the way within Stanley and they built that culture that says, Hey, you can do it. If you want to do it, you can do it. You don't have to you don't have to sit at this level for a certain amount of time and, and then get here and then get there. You know, there's, there's, it's very, for a 178, close to 180 year old company, it's very entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, internally where they're looking for people and uh, to, to step out and do some things differently. And you've got the support 
you know, of the company's culture that, hey, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. You're, you know, you don't know, you don't have to know everything you know about a role before you take it. We'll be, we'll support you and we'll, you know, we get it. And it's been, you're exactly right. Kyle and I are both a, a great example of that. Taking roles sometimes that we have no business taking, but the company's there to support us in doing it. That's very awesome. Cool, very cool. So you have, throughout these experiences, I know that you have formulated a framework around leadership principles. You want to yep. you, you share that with me real quick and then we can dive into it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's, there's five. And I still remember it was one of my first uh, general management roles way back kind of, I don't know, 2008, 2009. I still remember being on a plane. I was going to meet my regional team, re- regional leadership team for the first time. And I said, hey, I got I to gotta have something. I'd like to have something to give them that, you know, they can kind of hang their hat on about, you know, about my, me and my leadership style when I introduced them. So I just sat down and I thought, what's important to me? This is kind of the first time I really articulated it as a leader. And I started with four. I have five now, but the, the five are essentially you, you need to have a bias for action. Uh, and the way I explain that is I'd much rather explain why my team, me and my team did something and failed than why we didn't do something and failed. Like I'd much rather explain, hey, here's, we took action, here's why. So bias for action, commitment to the business. I found that the vast majority of people in any company are committed to the business. Every once in a while, there's somebody that's not, but for the most part, people are committed. The third though is connected to the second, which is a focus on people. And I found that leaders that are too heavily committed to the business have a tendency to not focus on their people enough, which actually uh, dramatically affects their commitment to the business. So you got to tie the two together. You got to have a healthy commitment to the business, but a healthy, healthy focus on people or you never get there. And a leader's got to expect to win. Nobody wants to work for a leader that doesn't think they're going to win or doesn't think they're going to be successful or, or has a tendency toward the negative. Expect to win regardless of the circumstances, doesn't mean you're Pollyanna, just means, hey, you know what? We're going to figure this out. We're going to expect to win. It's a great attitude. And then the fifth one is to have the courage. And I do really think it's courage to develop others, uh, to develop your team. It's so easy to to lead a team to say, all right, hey, we got to hit the number, hit the number, hit the number, and not spend enough time bringing people along, helping identify where there some some gaps are and help them along. Because that's ultimately your value as a leader. It's not hitting the number. Your value is building people, really strong people on your team that have the confidence and the tools to deliver. And you can help hone and sharpen those as a leader. That's your value as a leader. So, And that takes courage because a lot of times, in any company as a leader, you're getting pressure to deliver, you know? So the, if you lean into that pressure too much, you're going to focus too heavily on the numbers, too heavily on the results, and you're not going to develop people enough. So those are the five. I love it, man. And as I, as I deconstruct these five and I think about what I know of you, right? I think bias for, bias for action, we just talked about that, right? It's this idea of taking on roles, and, yep. and and moving through and just not instead of questioning taking action right yep. i think of commitment to the business i think of you disassembling locks and you're on your kitchen table there you go right like you got to go. do the extra exactly. things. um yeah. expect to win i know that you're a college athlete right i was yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I i see i think of i think of you being in athletics and 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 seeing you know kind of that outlook there yeah the focus on the people 
and courage to develop others is what I would love to dive into, right? Like yeah. I, you know, I, I would, can you give me an example? And you don't have to say names or anything like that, but sure. you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I guess, I guess what's the difference between commit the balance between commitment to the business and focus on the people and courage to develop others. Yeah. So really simple. It's for me, it's so easy to focus on the results. That's the commitment to the business. I'm going to deliver. I want to be, I want to be the person in the company that can count on to deliver the results, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances, Paul's going to be the person that delivers the results, but how, how somebody like me delivers the results, that's where the focus on people and the courage to develop others comes in. Okay. And it's the how that I think is so easy to get missed because I want to be the one that delivers, right? I want to be, Hey, give it to Paul because he'll deliver. But reality is as a leader, you don't deliver anything. You know, it's your team that's delivering, whether it's in sales or operations or HR or IT, as the leader, you're counting on people on your team to deliver ultimately what you, at least in part, get to take credit for. So the focus on the people part is just that very simple aspect where do people feel heard? Do they feel appreciated? Do they feel understood? Do they feel like you've taken the time to get to know them a little bit? Do they, one way I describe this, especially in sales, is if as a, as a leader, your direct team, if someone on your direct team has a really big sales win, you, you, you know you're being uh, a good focus on the people type of leader when you're the second call to celebrate. First call goes, call goes home you know, to the spouse or significant other. Second call comes to you as their leader. And so you, you know, that's to me was always at least a, a really good indicator that you you're that I was focusing in the right areas with people. I was building trust with them. And then that that courage to develop people is is kind of that step further. Okay, so I'm focused on them, I'm making them, I'm valuing them as as people and what's important to them and I'm understanding that. Now I'm taking that a step further and because I'm focused on them, I can see both their strengths and their weaknesses. And I care about them enough to come alongside them when I see a, a weakness or a challenge that they're having that's in, impacting their performance. And I'm going to be somebody that comes alongside them and has the courage to have that conversation, has the courage to sit down with them and, and help them and, and be a part of them continuing to develop as whatever the role is in. That's where that piece is. Cause that, cause again, that takes time. That takes time away from, delivering for the, you know, delivering the results and those kinds of things. But man, Pablo, my experience is when you do spend that time with people and you come alongside, it doesn't mean you, every time it's going to work and everybody's going to sing together and whatever, but it means that you're, that's a, a key part of your leadership. The results are going to take care of themselves. You got really focused, engaged employees that know you've got their back and you, you and know that you can talk openly about issues that they're having and they know they can trust you to come to you, come to them with it. They're going to run through walls. Yeah. The results are going to, the results would be there. Maybe not every single month, but overall the results are going to be there. When you're, when you're going through this, right? Like I've been, I've been an operator 
in in my in my in my background and now I'm a marketer right like which yeah. I'm, I'm of course I'm a business owner so I'm an operator too but I right. think in I think in marketing speak these days and I'm thinking what you're saying is the difference between direct response and brand right yeah. like the the idea that I can you know when I'm when I'm out there competing for for a contract and people's like well why can't I just run you know pay somebody to run Facebook ads or or, or Google AdWords or whatever. And I'm like, no, man, you need to build the system where people are going to start coming to you from your own means, right? right? Like I, 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 I think of what you're talking about as, as, build, as building brand, right? Like it's, yes. it's inbound instead of outbound. If you're, if you're out there driving people and not creating, you know, cr- you create the relationships, you focus on people to get the, to get the right people on board and to, yep. and to have them trust you. But then instead of being the driver that's driving, but instead the enabler that is enabling and helping them get to the next piece, your job starts getting easier, right? right? In time, it's harder at first, but it starts getting easier in time. And it's really the only way to scale, right? Like the only way, the only way you're going to scale is by having people that can, you know, when they show up, do 25% of a Paul. And by the time, you know, within a couple of years, they're 80% Paul and you got four of them, right? So now you're like, 320% 320% Paul, right? <laughs> uh, sometimes you can have a little too much Paul. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> but that's it. That's exactly right, Pablo. And, and think of it this way. Then you got a spot opening up on your team. Yeah. Now you've got people on your team saying, hey, I know somebody. Hey, I know somebody. And just like you said, things get easier. Kind of the you think of the typical standard frustrations of a people manager, when you've got a high performing team, you've invested in them and and focused on them and develop them, they're going to move on, which is good. They're going to move up in the organization. And like you said, now they're, now they're in this case, a Paul fan and they're looking out for you. Right. And they're, and then that spot's open. They're saying, Hey, I know somebody or other people on the team. Hey, I know somebody. So, you know, that it, like you said, it becomes a brand. Yeah. And, and it's, it, your job gets easier and it's never going to be easy, but it gets easier over time because you got people working for you, uh, not against you. Yeah. You get more interesting problems. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, man, that, that also reminds me of something I love to, look, this is why we connect so well, right. Is this idea that it's, it's better to be a kingmaker than a king, right? So like, if you're, 100%. you're out there kingmaking, it means later on, someone's going to come back and be like, yeah, Paul's, Paul's on this one, man. I want to, I want to move into, I want to move into content for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm very interested with what your role is and what you're doing from organization, you know, like you bought a microphone, right? Like you became a content creator for a reason. How did you see the role of, how did you think of the role of creating content? What, What does content represent for what you're trying to do as far as driving organizational effectiveness? Well, to me, there's there's a lot of things to it, but what drove me all what drove me to it and what gets me passionate about it is the impact that it, the impact that it can have. So, content, you know this much much better than I do because you live it every day. But all content isn't created equal, you know. So there's this idea that hey, we put the email out, we we sent out the details, we put a post on it, whatever the case may be. But a, a seven paragraph post with all the details, nobody's going to read. And you know, no, nobody's going to pay attention to that. It doesn't matter who it comes from. And so what I and so that's one piece of it. So I just started thinking differently about, hey, what content can we put out internally that's going to capture people's attention? Uh, that's going to be meaningful. 
And the other big piece of it is that it's going to be valuable. You know, it's going to, it's going to add value. It's going to help people that bounce into it to connect differently, connect better, work better, work more efficiently. Because again, they, they then become influencers. So the content goes out, super practical content, for example, around ways of working. So we've got a meeting culture that we're building at Stanley Black and Decker. And it's, it's uh, things like instead of 30 and 60 minute meetings, because that's the default in Outlook that can't be changed, you need to do 25 minute, 45 minute meetings. Well, why is that? Well, there's several reasons. 15 minutes of time is a lot of time, especially if you add it up over four or five meetings in a day. That's, that's real time for people to get back, especially in these virtual environments. Things, things tools on, on uh, rules that you can write in email where so you can start categorizing your email a little bit differently to be more efficient. So that's, we've built content around all of those things in some meaningful ways. Because again, people can't, in, in this current environment, you can't sit through workshops anymore. And even if we could, is that the best way to deliver you know, content and information to people anymore, right? I mean, so let's start thinking. So that's what I just started thinking differently about. Okay, obviously people are consuming uh, information different just out in the world. So how can we internal, internally at Stanley Black & Decker do that a little bit differently, and so I, you know, the thing is, you'll, you'll, people that who know me know that I just jump into things. In fact, I, I had one particular role, and I didn't mention this to you, where it wasn't, it was an expanded piece of my role a few years ago. And they said, hey, we want you to take this on. And I said, okay, I'll take it on, but I don't want to be the cheerleader of it. And I said, I, I need, I need other people to kind of, you know, contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? I became the cheerleader of it because I just can't help it because I just dive in. And as much as some days I don't want, I don't want, it just happens. And so I dove in, bought this microphone and said, Hey, if we're going to build content, we're going to build it right. It's going to sound good. It's going to look good. Uh, It's going to be, I don't have all the tools, even though this, my current setup looks amazing. I'm in a, my basement bedroom you know, and, and outside of this little screen here, I mean, it's fine. It's not like it's a disaster, but it's a bedroom, you know, but it looks like, oh man, you got a studio, but, and again, I don't want to put off like false pretenses, but the idea is, Hey, if you're going to do the, if you're going to put some content together, make it the best that you can be. And so that's, that's some of the stuff that I thought about and why I kind of jumped in with both feet. And, and you've noticed this, but one of the things that's happened within Stanley is, I've gotten more and more opportunities. In fact, I was just on a call earlier today where somebody says, hey, we're doing this panel. We want you to be the moderator for the panel because we've seen some of the stuff you, you do and that'd be really cool to do. And, and that'll be probably, Pablo, the fourth or fifth moderator slash MC type of role that I've gotten just because I'm putting content out a little bit differently within the company and, and people are connecting with it. I love it, man. You hit on a couple of things here that I want to, that I want to tease out and, and, and contextualize. I'll go, I'll go backwards from, from most recent, right? Recent yeah. last in first out. The, the idea that when people start seeing you on a screen, they automatically think that you're a personality that's good in front of an audience and they want to put you in front of other audiences is real, bro. Like I, like this, <laughs> this week I've emceed three virtual events. Right? There you Just, go. Yeah. And it, and it's all, it, it's all because of this, right? Like it, it like creates that validation of, of that stuff that leads to other opportunities that then gets you in front of other people. It's like a yes. firewheel. Like, 
like it. Yes. It, it continues to grow. And then the thing that I really wanted to, to hit on is I want to applaud you, man, for understanding that to think consumer centric, right? Like in your, in your case, your consumer is the employee, your, your yeah. teammates at Black & Decker. And yeah. how do I remove friction from them learning something? Right. And you realize that the more contexts you can put it in and the more frictionless the context that you can put it in, the better it is. And it's impossible for you to give a presentation to each and every person, but you can make a, you can, yes, you could write up a piece, but you could also make a video and that lands yes. on a different person, right? So like, yep. I, I think that's really, really interesting, man. And it's something that I see over and over again. And to be honest, I'm shocked that not everybody gets that, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped when I hear people talk about it because it's rare, right? Like to, to, to see it that way. Most people are like, nah, I don't want to be on TV. I'm not a Right, person. right. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about serving, right? Like it's, yes. about, it's, it's, it's about making it easier on people to understand, man. I think that's really cool. And I want to get into the ultimate, like to me, like the ultimate piece of content are two things, a full movie or a fiction book, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. you are, and now you're you're working on a on a book, right? Like, first of all, is there any correlation there? Is there is there anything about the fact that you activated the content muscle, either starting to write the book that then made you a better content producer for Stanley, or starting to make content for Stanley that that initiated the the content muscle? Is there any overlap? You don't have to say yes if, if no, but like, is there anything there? Yeah, well, I would say the only overlap is I've. Over the years, as a leader, I've spent a lot of time communicating, been passionate about the written word, passionate about connecting with people very practically. Like how you write as a leader should also, I've always believed, should also be how you sound. So when you, for example, when you're talking one-on-one -on -one, like we're talking now, that should yeah. be how I communicate to a broad group as well. People yeah. should feel like when they read something from me, I'm talking to them individually, yeah. right? And so I've, you know, I've honed that over the years and, and I've gotten feedback like, hey, we love your messages, especially the written word, because it, I connect with it. I, it's, like, it's like you're talking to me and it's practical and I get it. And so that connection then to then, and I didn't realize it at the time, but then once I started, when decided to actually dive in and started writing this book, I had some of the, that muscle was already built, how to tell a story, you know, just practically and, and what the sentences should, should look like and how to explain a scene that all not realizing it came from how you, how I, a lot of that communication as a leader that I, that I've been doing over the years. So that's where the connection is. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right, man. Then tell me, tell me about this book that you're working on, man. What was, where'd this idea come from? <laughs> well, you know, like obviously it's penchant for action, bro. Like you're clearly, yeah. you're clearly out there. You do stuff, <laughs> right? Like tell me about the journey of how do you, how do you tell yourself that you're worthy enough of putting a book into the universe, man? Did that, was that something? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a great question. And you didn't ask me this before. So uh, let's dive into this a little bit. So I had, had the idea for the book and it's it's a fair, it's a fiction book as you mentioned and it's it's a, a bit about the spirit world the uh, angels and demons and so it's not from that perspective it's not a it's it's not like it's never been done before but you know I, I built it kind of from a practical setting 
And I had the idea probably three years ago and it was around the holiday season. And, you know, at our house, we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And the, the thought popped into my head, you know, that Jesus, a uh, historical figure, you know, got faith that he said who he is, who he said he was. And so, but for a while before he became God in, in flesh in human flesh, he was a little baby. And so, you know, before he had the faculties of the creator of the universe, he was like two years old and like six months old, you know, like, so I got thinking like from a spiritual aspect, were there, were there some angels like warrior angels, almost like seal team type of like special forces angels that were sent to protect him during that vulnerable time, you know, in that spirit world? Was there a spiritual battle going on once the evil entities in, in the earthly realm, and you'll read the book, you'll learn a little bit about it. You know, once they figured out who Jesus was, that he was a threat to them, was there a spiritual battle going on? That kind of thing, if that makes sense. So I had that idea and I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I like, you know, I like the special forces thing and, you know, the cloak and dagger thing. And anyway, so I'm like, ah, that'd be a good idea. I sat on it, you know, because I'm still learning in this journey of, hey, that I thought of all the reasons why I couldn't. And like you said, I can't write a book. I don't know what I who would edit it. How would I get it published? I that's not something I can do. So I sat on it, you know, and about let's see, it was a year, a year ago, Christmas. So like two years went by and my and my parents were visiting for Christmas. And this was this would have been 2019. So kind of December is 2019. My mom just out of the blue says, hey, you should write a book. And I said, well, you know, I have an idea for a book. And, and so I shared it with my parents. And of course, they're my parents. And they loved it. They thought it was the best thing in the world. I'm like, okay, but you're my parents. I mean, and who's going to edit it? And how do I get it published? And all the other things, you know. And so then about a month later, bounce into somebody else who I, I've known for a long time. We used to work together. Don't, we don't work together anymore. But I bounced into him at a, a get together. And just out of the blue, Pablo, he says, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? Uh -huh. Yeah, I got this idea. What do you think? Oh, I think it's great. I'd read that book. That's amazing. I thought, well, yeah, but how would I write it? And it's just an idea. And I don't know if I, and I've never done it before. And I don't even need an editor. And I, you know, I can get it published. Well, then like two weeks later, I'm sitting down uh, with Kate, who cuts my hair, does an awesome job on my hair. Good job, and Kate. Kate says, I said, somehow it came up. Well, it turns out Kate has written some books. And so she knows what it's like to write a book. She knows what it's like to get edited, get it published. And so, and she said, similar to what you exactly, almost similar, almost exactly what you said. She said, hey, if you, I always tell people, if you have an idea for a book, you have got to get it out into the world. You've j you just have to do it. And I said, okay, I appreciate that encouragement. You're the third person in like six weeks that has said something to me. So I'm, I'm going to start paying attention. But I said, tell me this. If, if I have to put a whole outline together of how the whole book is going to go before I get started, I don't think I can do it because I just have an idea. She's like, no, you don't need to do that. You have an idea. 
make summarize what the idea, put pen to paper, summarize what the idea of your book is. Just write it out and then come up with as many scenes in the book that you can think of and just start there and then just sit down and start and just start developing the scenes and see where it goes. And I said, well, I can do that. I mean, I don't know. I, I can do that. And so that's what I did, Pablo. I, 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 three people in a row, back to back to back, out of the blue, you should write a book. I finally said, okay, I'll start it. And you know what, dude? I just said 30 minutes. I remember that first time is January of 2020. I said, I'm going to take 30 minutes. I'm going to summarize it. I'm going to write, I'm title all the scenes. I came up with like 45 scenes just off the top of my head. Now that's like 150. But I said, okay, that's where I'm going to start. And I picked 30 minutes a day. And I just said, for 30 minutes a day, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And sometimes it was early in the morning. Sometimes it was over my lunch break. Sometimes it was, you know, at night. But I stayed, you know, I stayed committed to it. And now as of this recording, I'm close to 90,000 words in this book. <laughs> and, I, and I wouldn't, and, it, and I even, there were even times I'm sitting down thinking, I don't know what I'm going to write. I, I don't even, and I just sit there. And I take a second and I open up the laptop and I bring up the scene and I just start writing and it's there. It's in there. I don't know how, but it's in there. So. Awesome. Uh, again, want to, want to tease out a couple of things here that I, that I think are important. And it's number one pension fraction, right? Like it's like, yeah. you don't need to have it all figured out. You just need to think, you just need to think it feels good. Right. right. And, and just get started. Right. Like, listen, right. listen to your gut of it, that it's something you'd want to do. Go explore. Right. Like seek, I think, yes. is key, man, like seeking is big, especially in like a creative endeavor. And the other part that I like is. It's great to seek with people. Right. Like the the idea of iterating through a couple of people and just like, yeah. I call it being a bat signal for the things you want to attract, right? Like at the max level, but it's like, man, if you're thinking about writing a book, just float it out there, right? Just like, yeah, I'm thinking about yeah. it, you know, like yeah. open-ended, right? Just like say it, speak it out there. And then when people are around and they can give you back that feedback, it's often that validation. It's often that little nudge. It's that, you know, it's, I, I find it that, that, that outside, that outside person and that has enough, sometimes it's, it's interesting that your parents were on board, right? Like, like yeah. that, that could go either way. Right. But right, like right. your hairstylist, your friend that, <laughs> the, you know, the, 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 the sounding board of someone that's far enough away to just give you a, yeah, okay. Opinion, you know, like, yeah, right. you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, there's so much value in that, man. So much. My, and, and when I hear what you're talking about, like, I love this idea of like, man, I just, I think of this conflict. I think of this scenario, put out a couple of scenes and then just like mold it, right? Like just plop yeah. a couple things of Play-Doh and see what you make out of them. Yes, um, yes. And I was amazed, Pablo, at how it came together. And it it's never felt like work. You know, there's been times where like, oh man, I got to do it. I don't want to do it. But then 30 minutes just goes by like that. Because I actually, I'm getting into the story and I'm figuring out, ooh, that's cool. Ooh, you know, yeah. I remember multiple times like, finishing the scene, you know, and I, I love books that kind of leave that little cliffhanger at the end of the chapter, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I remember multiple times being like, just audibly, you know, in, in, in my office or just audibly being like, Oh yeah, that's good. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's going to be, you know, so I, I was, I was getting into it and then just a, a funny story, like just talking about putting it out into the world uh, for a while. I didn't talk much about it because you know, I didn't know if I was 
I didn't know if it was going to be a thing, but I mean, after a few months, it was a thing, you know? And so I wasn't like walking around telling everybody, but you know, when people would ask, Hey, how things are going and we'd get into that a little bit, chances are I was going to mention, Hey, I'm writing a book, you know, just kind of like to your point to kind of put it out there and in a way kind of keep myself on the hook for it, you know? Because the more people that knew that I was writing a book, the more people that would come back and say, hey, how's that book going? And I think <laughs> subconsciously I knew I needed that, right? Now, it turns out I didn't because, you know, it really kept going. But one funny story is I went to the dentist just for a cleaning probably, I don't know, eight months ago. And I said, hey, how's it going? The dentist, dentist says, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, it's going great. I'm writing a book. And he's like, what? You're writing a book? And he was... Pablo, he was all about it. My dentist is awesome. He was all about it. In fact, he said, I would love to read some of it. Could you send me a chapter? Yeah. Would that be okay? And I'm like, yeah. So he gave me his personal email address. I sent it to him. And like a day later, he responded. He said, that's awesome. That's amazing. I can't wait to read the whole thing. So he gave me, even though he didn't know, he's probably just being nice, but he gave me that extra fuel. Yeah. Said, hey, this is something keep going, you know? So I have, I've got some of those stories along the way where people just really, really encouraging me along, along the way too, which is cool. It's cool, man. Now, now that you're saying it, like, it's like, I think of you, I think of all the pieces of all the people that own a little piece of the journey and like how you're going to be bonded to those people. They're going to be a part of your life forever, right? Like yeah. this, you might move somewhere. You'll never see this dentist again. You'll maybe you're friends with him on Facebook, but like, you're going to have that story about your dentist. You're going to have that story about your hairstylist. You're going to have that story about your buddy. I'm sure there's a bunch of other stories Absolutely. like that, that makes the journey much more enjoyable, man. I think yeah. that's really, really cool, dude. I, I'm excited to, I'm excited to, to see what comes of it, man. And, and if I can connect you, you know, I've got, I've got people in the, at least business book publishing world. Awesome. Or sure have contacts, contacts in the, in the in the fictional publishing world, if you need any kind of like intros to people that may have editors, or I love it, man. I love it. No, I, absolutely, I'll take you up on that for sure. And maybe maybe you'll have me back, and we can talk about the book once it's done. Yeah, that'll be my a, a launch episode, man. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That'll be my encouragement. Like I got to get back. I got to get back on Pablo's show, man. I love it, man. I love it. Listen, before before we get to inviting you back on the show, you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, all right, here we go. What is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what is your order? Okay, favorite restaurant. There's a, there's a restaurant here. It got a couple of locations in the Indy area. It's called Wolfie's. Mm -hmm. And get a couple of different things at, get a couple of different things at Wolfie's, but they have a, what they call a Alpine chicken salad. It's got, it's just, it's good. I'm not a huge salad guy, but when I go to Wolfie's, I like a good Alpine chicken salad from Wolfie's. All right, cool. So Wolfie's in the Indianapolis area? Is that what? Yes, okay, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Like I'm, this is like a big compilation. At one point, I'm going to chop out all these things and make it like a travel document of like all the- I love it. Yeah, have. I love it. We talked a lot about content, right? Like what, what content are you most into right now? It's either, this can either be what book you're really into. It could be what podcast you're listening to a lot. It could be, you know, who's, who's YouTube channel are you into? What Netflix series are you into? What content are you most like? Consuming? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So a couple of different things. So I do, I still do some traveling more personal. Like for example, I drove to North Carolina. My son was in a college soccer camp 
he's looking to play soccer in college. And so we had a little bit of a drive there. So I love a good fiction audio book, primarily like thriller type of things. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll bounce between that. And then I'll bounce between some, uh, podcast or two just on uh, spiritual things. Like for example, every morning I spend, I spend time in the Bible and I've got a, I've got an app that I use. It's called through the word. And it gives me like a 10 minute chapter by chapter of a particular book to the Bible that I'm going through. That content's really good. Kind of sets my day the right way. Gives me the right perspective. Yeah, and, nice. and, you know, the, the Bible's a big book and there's a lot in it. And so just having, having kind of a, a good place to go to get some, you know, good understanding of what that particular chapter is talking about is great. It's easy. And I'm actually going through a lot of the old Testament, which can be complicated, you know, I mean, there's just a lot there. And so having that is really good. So that's some really good content. Can't wait, cannot wait for the Ozark Netflix series Ozark season three, apparently coming out soon. That's something my wife and I I hear good things about that show, man. Yeah. As my wife and I get, that's something my wife and I do try to do together. You know, it's one of those, the way content works these days, as opposed to years ago, it's like, it all comes out at once. Yeah. And then it's like, well, Hey, let's let this last for a while. Cause the next season, if there is one, it won't be for another year, you know, but then you get into it and boom, 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 boom. So that's coming up, but I do, I love to, I love to read for mm-hmm. sure. One of the big ones that I'm reading. So there's a guy named Mike Lindell, who's in the, he's in the news. He's the, my pillow guy. Okay. And he's, he's pretty controversial for, for sure, but he's very outspoken. And so regardless of what you think about him, he's got an incredible life story. So he actually wrote a book called what are the odds and I'm working my way through that. And it's incredible because there are days where I think, oh man, my life's pretty complicated. Like, you know, stuff's there's, you know, there's just a lot of stuff on my shoulders. And then I read a, a couple of chapters of, of Mike Lindell's book and between crack addiction and like debt, like debt to bookies and gambling, gambling debts and warrants for his arrest and whatever. I mean, that guy lived a crazy life. Yeah. And so it's, that's a, that's a book that kind of surprised me. I'm like, what's this going to be about? You know, just cause you know, Mike's a pretty outspoken guy, credible story. And it gives, it's given me some perspective. So that's some of the stuff I'm leaning cool, into. Man. That was a very, that was a very comprehensive answer, bro. Thank you. What is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? Sure about in my twenties that I no longer believe that that parenting is, is, should be easy to figure out. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. It's not. (laughs) What's your favorite piece of advice either that you've ever gotten or a piece of advice that you love to give people? Hmm. Well, we've talked a lot about change. Yeah. One that I give a lot is the, the longer you wait to have a courageous conversation with someone, the more courageous you have to be. Mm. Cool, man. Before I ask you the last question, Paul, if people want to find you, what's the best way to connect with you? What's the best way? Do you want people reaching out to you on LinkedIn? Do you want an email? You know, like kind of like, or draw, this is your stage, draw attention to whatever you want to draw attention to. Yeah, no, that's great. LinkedIn is good, but if you really want to get connected with me, you can just send me an email and my personal email. You want me to give it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm my personal. Yeah. 
personal email is my first name dot last name. So Paul.hevesy at protonmail.com. P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. Cool. I'm gonna link that in the show notes for sure. So yeah, please. please do. And really for me, Pablo, the reason that it I, I want to connect with people in a meaningful way. So if you want to, if you want to connect, I'd love to connect with you. We can, you know, set up a quick conversation. I'm very transparent. I don't spend, I don't have a Facebook account, not on Instagram. So I'm a little bit different when it comes to that, but I, but I like making personal connections for sure. So that's the best place to start. Love it, man. Last question that I ask everybody is where do you find community? Man, there's a a lot of different places. So I've got a great community within my workplace, but that's, easier for me because I've been around a long time. I find great community at church. So finding a local church has always been important for us. And it's a great, it's a great place to find community. And then I've got a great group of neighbors and that have become friends. So that's a great place. I find community as well as just getting to know your neighbors. I'm always, I'm always amazed at uh, what some of my neighbors are, are connected to and, and what they're good at and those types of things. So those, those are three places I, I find community. Love it, man. Paul, thanks for doing this, dude. Right? Like awesome. since this is our second conversation, it's gets better every time. I'm, I'm really into it. Like I love your story. I love you show up as the quintessential servant leader, which I really, really appreciate, man. And yeah. I think that that is, uh, we need more of that in the world, man. So I'm, I'm like really pumped that I got to kind of help you get that out there and, 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 and let other people see, see who you are. And, and honestly, man, I'm glad we shown a light on Stanley, man. Like Stanley, Stanley started to impress me, man. I'm going to start yep. looking at that stock ticker. And, yeah, uh, you should. It's a it's great company. Yeah. Great, great company. And uh, I'm proud to work there. And that servant leadership thing, man, you could have said a lot of things, but saying that, that means a lot to me. That, Cause that's what, that's what leaders are. We're, we should be servants. You know, we should we should make the people that work for us and with us better. Be, you know, for bouncing into us. That's what a great servant leader is. So, like I said, you could have said a lot of things that would make me feel good. Nothing more than that. Right on, bro. Well, cool. you made me feel real good, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, brother. Really appreciate it, man. I, I love being with you. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.